Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Um, tonight, instead of answering questions about your personal relationships like we were doing on Sunday, we thought we'd answer some questions about why your relationships might not be working. There may be some spiritual reasons why you're having a tough time in your relationship um, or why you haven't been able to be in a relationship. And so we want to cover some of those things. And then we are going to pray and we're going to see the Holy Spirit move in here. And it is going to be freedom in this house. <clears throat> Anybody expect God to do something tonight? Come on. That's why we have church, especially Wednesday nights. I feel like the Holy Ghost is more powerful on Wednesday nights. Not really. That's not theologically correct. Um, so, I, but I grew up not even knowing about the spirit realm. I grew up thinking that I had um, full um, control over everything that I did, that there was no spiritual influence that could cause me to behave a certain way, could energize me to do things in a certain way, could put thoughts in my head that weren't right. I didn't know any of that stuff until I got here. And so I was living my life in a way that uh, oftentimes would dishonor God and actually provide legal rights for evil, wicked spirits to oppress my life, to enter into my world. If you remember in the Bible, when Judas was sinning against Jesus, the Bible says Satan entered his heart. So we actually can provide gateways for the devil and demons to enter into our world and begin to oppress us. Anybody freaked out yet? You guys good? There are good spirits and there's bad spirits. The Holy Spirit, angels, good. Satan, demons, bad. The good news is we win. The devil loses. And so that's, that's a good thing. But, but the devil hates us. Did you know that? His demons hate us. The reason they, he hates us is because he wanted to be like God. And God kicked him out of heaven for that. And when he looks at you and I, he realized that God made us like God. And so when he looks in your face, he sees the face of God. He sees the reflection of heaven. And he hates you. He wants your relationship to fail. He wants your life to fail. The Bible says that Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly, but the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy your life and destroy your relationships. And he'll do it in a way that you won't know. He's not going to be like, hey, 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 look at me. I'm the devil. I'm going to come destroy your life. He will do it in ways that you don't even you don't even understand or you don't even um, recognize. And by the time you're 20 or 30 or 40 years old, you'll be just, uh, that's just how I am. I'm just that kind of a person. I just don't get along with people. I just don't have friendships or, you know, my relationships always struggle. That's just how I am. That's just how I was born. My parents' life, uh, marriage didn't work. My grandparents' life didn't work. So I guess my life just doesn't work. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And if you believe that tonight, we're going to set you free from things like that. 
The Bible says this in Luke 10, 19, my favorite verse, Pastor Quacha. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, demons, and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing by shall any means hurt you. So here's the deal. The devil and his demons have power, but you and I have the authority to allow him to use it or not. He has power, but you have the authority to allow him to use it or not. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and against rulers in the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So if you were here Sunday, you would have heard the story about my wife and I, and in the beginning of our marriage, how she would um, uncontrollably have this fear and control thing that would come on her. And so she would try to control my life because she was fearful because of her uh, background and because there were gateways or pathways that allowed uh, evil influences to influence her life. And then God gave me a picture because we were fighting. I was fighting against her because I didn't understand what was happening. He gave me a picture of her being wrapped in grace, almost like a present, and for me wrapping her in grace and looking behind her to the spirit that was energizing her behavior. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. When behaviors are unexplainable, oftentimes they are spirit-driven. They are spiritual problems that we have to take care of. It is the will of God for you to be completely free. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So oppression means a holding down or a pushing down. Uh, and, and, and when you are oppressed, you, you feel like in bondage, like there are behaviors being energized that you're not, don't have full control over. Like there are thoughts put in your mind that, that you don't know where they came from that doesn't sound like you, that might be from somebody else, but there, there's thoughts that are put in your mind. That's what kind of oppression is. That's what devils do to us. But the good news is, this is kind of good news. Once you find out you're oppressed by a devil, it's almost better than not knowing what's wrong. It's almost better than being sick because we have authority over all the powers of the enemy so we can cast out that devil and set you free. So that's why we want to tell you, talk to you about some issues and some things that might be happening in your life so you can recognize those spirits and we can get rid of them. It's actually a good thing. Don't be freaked out about it. Be excited about it because the power that's in you is greater than the power that is uh, outside. John, 1 John 4, 4. But the problem is we try to go to counselors or natural means to deal with spiritual issues. It's like you can't medicate a demon, a spirit of infirmity. You can't medicate a spirit of fear. You can numb it down. You can numb yourself down with medications or whatever, but it's never going to leave you. It's just going to numb it down. If you want to deal with a spiritual power, you have, to, you have to oppose it with a greater spiritual power. And his name is the Holy Ghost. So once free of, of oppression or resistance in your life, it is easier to accept the will of God. It is easier to do the will of God in your life. If you are oppressed by demonic influences, it's harder to do the will of God because they are resisting you. And until you get rid of that resistance, it's hard to do the will of God or to recognize the word of God. I'm going to go do some science with you real quick, okay? So Newton's first law of motion, and I've used this example before, is an object will remain at rest unless it is acted upon by an unbalanced force. When an aircraft, a spacecraft, or a rocket rise from the ground 
or a launch pad vertically, it is called liftoff. It is called liftoff. A rocket will launch and keep speeding up as long as the force pushing it upwards is greater than the forces pushing it downwards, which is gravity or drag. A liftoff is when the, at liftoff, excuse me, is when the most power and fuel and thrust is needed. So you have the rocket that is stationary, and it's at that point where the most force, the most thrust, and the most power is needed. Engines can generate up to 37 million horsepower to lift a rocket off the ground. And then the horsepower can be drastically reduced once the rocket is airborne and momentum is created. So when you are stuck in stabilizing equipment or on the launch pad, that's when the most force needs to be sent out of the rocket to propel you forward. And once the momentum starts, it's a lot easier to fly. The the most power thrust and uh, force is needed initially to get it free from the launch tower and stabilizing equipment. Then, within 8 to 12 minutes, the rocket will bust through the atmosphere, accelerating to an orbital velocity of over 17,000 miles an hour, entering into a microgravity environment. You guys with me? In this environment, the rocket is not at zero gravity, but gravity on Earth is losing its power over the rocket, and the rocket is more affected by the gravity of the sun than the gravity on the earth. So when a rocket is on the launch pad, that's when the most force is needed to get it to start going, to start the momentum. But once the momentum starts, the, the, the thrust and the horsepower can be drastically reduced, and it can fly easier because it has momentum. And then it hits a certain point in the atmosphere where it leaves the atmosphere, and the force pulling it up is greater than the resistance pulling it down. And it starts to go in a microgravity environment where the heavens are pulling it higher than the earth can resist it lower. And so now you're flying at speeds you've never flown before because the resistance in your life or the drag in your life has been released. And now it's easier to stay free because you are unstuck. Some of you just need to be unstuck. You need to be dislodged today, and and, and you're on the launching pad, and you're not meant to stay there. You're not meant to be stuck. You're meant to take off. Today, you're going to enter into a microgravity environment where the pull of heaven is pulling you further and faster and harder than the drag on earth. But we need to engage the enemy that's holding you down with unbalanced power, and it needs to be violent in the spirit. That doesn't mean we need to yell and scream and chant or whatever, but if you do that, that's okay. It just means we need to step into a place of authority. And God gave me a picture of what's going to happen tonight. I'll share it in a minute. But God gave me a picture of what's going to happen tonight. You're going to be set free because we are going to engage that spirit with unbalanced power. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction unless you're talking about the Holy Ghost. There is no equal or opposite reaction to when the Holy Ghost enters your life. All that happens is demons flee your life. So we need to have a power encounter tonight so that you can break into a microgravity environment. What happens is the devil will come into your life and he will minimize the uh, 
it, he will minimize the sin in your life. It's like my wife was saying on Sunday, are we living a life to glorify God or are we living a life just to barely get into heaven? What's our posture in our life? We want to glorify God, I hope. But the devil will minimize the sin that we do, but then he will maximize the consequences that we suffer. But I want you to know that you've been set free thousands of years ago by what Jesus did on the cross, and tonight we're going to step into that freedom. A couple more scriptures. I'm going to invite up my wife. Colossians 2, 13 to 15 says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, everything you've done, having wiped away, having wiped out, the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So Jesus did it in public, publicly disarming principalities and powers. Now all we have to do is enforce the cross. When you hear enforcing the cross, that's what that means. We got to enforce what Jesus did. We got to enforce what Jesus paid for on the cross. And then we have to walk it out. You're going to get set free tonight, but then you have a responsibility to walk it out. You're going to have momentum, but you got to keep that momentum going. Galatians 1.5 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't keep doing what you used to do once you get free. Because guess what? You'll go right back into bondage. You'll go right back into dysfunction. Your relationships will be lame again. Do not get, go back into that yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled again. Renew your mind. Stop hanging around the same people, maybe. Stop doing the same behaviors, maybe. Stop tiptoeing uh, on the line between heaven and hell. Start glorifying God. Start going all in. Both feet, go in, go for it. So you might have to change some behaviors. I like the, uh, uh, the starvation mo uh, model, model. It's where, you, where maybe you have a behavior issue and you've invited spirits into your life, but if you just stop doing that, eventually, if you starve that spirit, he's going to go away. So just stop doing that thing. The easy thing is just stop doing it. But I do realize that sometimes we're in so deep and we've allowed so much demonic oppression in our life that by ourselves, it's very, very difficult. And so tonight we're going to set you free. So with that, I'm going to invite up my beautiful bride, Pastor Becky Heinrichs. So good. That's so amazing. I'm so happy that we're talking about this tonight because... Um, just like Pastor John was saying, sometimes we don't realize that there's dysfunction, there's the same things we keep going around and around in our life, we keep hitting the same ceiling or struggles in relationships, and we keep trying to do things in the natural and read the self-help books, go to counseling and do whatever else, but we never actually can get full freedom in that area. And it's usually because there's a demonic stronghold that's fueling that unhealthy behavior and that cycle, and there's no natural weapon that you can combat with what needs to be handled with the spiritual weapon. And so like he was just sharing with my story, just struggling 
for 10 years with um, insecurity and fear that led me to control and this psychotic behavior that we talked about on Sunday. There was nothing I could do. For 10 years, I tried to get set free from that behavior and that stronghold that destroyed every single relationship I'd had up until that point. And it wasn't until I had a powerful encounter with someone that understood the supernatural and the demonic stronghold of fear that had taken root in my life that I was able to be fully set free. And like Pastor John was saying, I was set free free from the demonic stronghold in a moment, but then I had to learn how to keep my freedom because for 10 years, I had learned to go to fear. For 10 years, I learned to go to anxiety. So I had to learn how to take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. I had to boot those negative thoughts out of my head and replace it with the word of God and learn how to stay in peace. And so I'm so excited that we're going to be diving into this because my whole life changed because of this, this true fact that we have the power and the authority to come against demonic spirits that are oppressing our lives, destroying our lives, and affecting our relationships. And in a moment, everything can change. God did it for me, and he's going to do it for you tonight if you are willing to let him to move in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So do you want to start Whoa. with, well, before, because I have I have like a different topic. That's exciting. Oh, they're probably adjusting your mic. But I have a different, I have a different topics I want to start talking about. But before I get into all of mine, would you like to share a couple of yours? Sure. Okay, and we're, there's so many things, but tonight we're going to try to narrow it into some of the biggest factors that affect our relationships and the health of them. So. These aren't necessarily mine, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> we'll I don't see. claim them. I we'll don't agree see. with them. Do I need but to I'll see? never forget the night where um, she did get set free. We were in Fresnet, California, and uh, <laughs> I had a little prayer session with my aunt and uncle. It was, it was super It took cool. three hours, and usually it doesn't take that long. Just be encouraged. The reason why it took me three hours to get set free, set free is because I actually didn't want to let the spirit of fear go. I had learned to have it a part of my life for so long. I was afraid to let the spirit of fear go because that meant I couldn't try to control and try to give me the illusion of safety. And so I actually fought against my freedom for three hours. So that's why I said if you are willing for God to move in your life, it can happen in a moment with one powerful prayer with the authority of Jesus Christ. Wow, babe. It's called a familiar spirit. It's hard to let go of familiar sometimes, but tonight we're going to let go of familiar. So the first one I wanted to talk about, and this was, this was one that I had to deal with when I first got to this church, and this was, you know, before, this is 15 years ago, 16 years ago, and we came to our, we had a freedom conference, and it was at Carmel Valley Middle School in the gym, and Pastor Mike Connell was in the building, and uh, he's a, a gentleman who lives in um, New Zealand. He's like Pastor Jurgen and Leanne's pastor, Pastor Shelley's pastor, and um and anyways, he came in and did this freedom conference, and he talked about this thing called soul ties. And, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't know any of this stuff when I got to this church. And so he started talking about how the two, when you are intimate with each other, become one flesh. And how what's on this person, if you're intimate, can be passed on to this person. And uh, which is a crazy thing to think about. So the dysfunction on somebody else can come and be a dysfunction on you. And sex outside of marriage is where all of these unhealthy and ungodly soul ties kind of happen in relationships. You can have soul ties to other things, but we're talking about relationships. And so um, I realized that I had had sex before marriage. And so, you know, I had uh, multiple people I had sex with. And so I, I got freaked out. And so when he had an altar call of who needs to break soul ties, I was like. <laughs> my wife's probably thinking, oh, shoot, who did I marry? No, I had to respond to that altar call, yeah, too. We were both okay. up there. I'm like, oh, you're here, too? Wow, okay. 
<laughs> Should have talked about that in premarital. No. <laughs> um, but I had to come up there and get free. And I remember getting prayed for and getting laid out on the floor. And, uh, you know, and soul ties were gone. And I had to break all those, all those things off. And, and I got to tell you, when that happened, all of a sudden I felt this, um, this weird... Um, uh, I don't know what I would call it, like this, this, this deep care for the women that, you know, maybe I didn't treat the right way or maybe I didn't take care of or whatever. And I started to realize that everybody, and this is for you fellas, when you're, when you're dating women, think of them as a daughter of God. How would you treat a daughter of God? And so I had this, this deep care for, for these women, and I, I really wish that I could have, like, apologized to them or something. Um, but anyway, that, that, that's just what came upon me. But I got delivered that day from uh, these ungodly soul ties. And so tonight, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but um, at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to get free from, from those soul ties. And I know, and I know so many of us have, have had that same thing. Um, and so it's nothing to be ashamed of, but it is something to get free from Amen. and not do it again. Change your behavior. Yeah. Um, the other one that I want to talk about that, thankfully, I've never had a, 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 a problem, a, a significant problem with, but I have experienced is pornography. Yeah. Pornography. I can remember when I was a, a, in elementary school over at my buddy's house and his dad had Playboys and I was probably fourth or fifth grade, and there's just a stack of Playboys in his, in his closet, and my buddy's like, check these out, you know? And so, uh, you know, from that young age, it was probably the first time I saw, like, a, a Playboy or a magazine or a pornography, and uh, like I said, luckily, it never kind of, like, strang- strangled me, but I know a lot of guys who, who, it have, who it has, and I can remember when I was in real estate, there used to be all these, you know, real estate's kind of like a um, at least in our office, it was just a bunch of guys. And there was maybe, you know, I don't know, 50 guys in our office, and they're always sending pictures and videos and all this stuff. And I remember when I started actually following God, I had to make a decision, and I sent an email out to my office, and I said, hey, guys, no mas. Don't be sending me any of these, any of these pictures, because they would come, and you wouldn't even know what it was. It would say, like, you know, I don't know, like something, and you open it up, and it's like some pornographic photo I can remember walking by, um, does that mean I'm out of time? I remember walking by this, this guy's um, this office, and in plain sight, he's just pornography on his computer. And so what happens is, and this is mainly a guy issue, and I'm finishing, babe, um, is um, the Bible says that uh, the eyes of a man are never satisfied. And so we try to satisfy our eye by looking at unrealistic pictures. It's like a double negative. Like, there's no way to satisfy your eye. That's why, but your eye is meant to be directed towards your wife. So you're meant to pursue your wife for the rest of your life. But what happens is we get off course and we start to try to satisfy an unsatisfiable eye with an unrealistic picture of a woman. And so now all of a sudden you can't get aroused just by your spouse. Now you got to look at photos. You got to look at videos. And it goes down a very slippery slope. That's why people get into pedophilia and disgusting things. Because it, it, but it starts somewhere. Yeah. It starts somewhere and it's a seed. And I know a lot of people like myself were exposed to pornography at very young ages and are bound by it now. 
but there's good news. You can be set free. You can be set free. And there are women too. But it usually manifests in women through like romantic novels or romantic movies. And they get into fantasy and imagination. and, and, And now all of a sudden they have this unrealistic picture of what a relationship should be like. And so it causes strife in their marriage. And so, anyways, pornography is a big deal. So we're going to pray that as well. Lust, perversion are the kind of the spirits that, that follow um, pornography, pornographic spirits. And so um, we're going to deal with that as well. Amen. Amen. All right. My turn. Are you ready? So we really wanted to address those two things because we know that that is a really common thing in a lot of people's lives and relationships. And so, but you might be surprised at the other area we wanted to tackle tonight. Um, It doesn't always get a lot of hoopla and it's not always the most exciting thing to talk about, but it's actually, I think, one of the most powerful things that can directly affect how we live our lives and the the health and state of our relationships. And that's ungodly beliefs. So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, ungodly beliefs. Basically, they're lies. They disagree with the word of God, his nature, and his character. And the enemy knows if we can, if he can get us to attach our amen, to come into agreement with the lie, it has the power to determine the course of our future. And that might sound really dramatic, but it's very true. Um, God and the devil are looking for the same thing. We've heard this, our agreement. God wants us to come into agreement with the truth, which sets us free. The enemy wants us to come into agreement with the lie that leads us to bondage and destruction and oppression, like Pastor John was talking about. Uh, The Bible talks about in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So what you actually believe in your heart matters, and it determines the course of your life. And so we may not be familiar with ungodly beliefs, but I feel like it's a lot easier to actually give you some examples. You can understand what ungodly beliefs are. But two common ways that ungodly beliefs are formed in our lives and in our hearts um, come from either painful experiences or traumatic experiences or messaging or things we like observed or were told when we were growing up. And we don't realize that we were being told a lie. And I would just remember the importance of like the first time you hear information, that becomes your foundation of information. And if that is a lie and you never actually submit that that information to the word of God to combat it with the truth, you actually then accept the lie as your truth. So you're living under this false, ungodly belief your entire life that, that will determine the course of your future. And so let me give you some examples of what some ungodly beliefs are. And we, are, we will stick with some relational things because we're in our relationship panel. And I've shared about this before, but it's worth um, talking about again, is I actually had to break the agreement and a lie that all men were lazy. I, I had a belief system that all men were lazy. I did not realize this. But what I realized is in my life, we'd be happy out doing things. And the moment we like walked, walked into the house, it's like my demeanor would change. I'd get all serious and I'd start barking orders and everything would upset me, especially, dear God, if Pastor John ever sat on the couch. Like, don't you dare sit on the couch while I'm still doing things. Because, and he knew that I was unhappy every time that he did that. And, and so then John, John was like, babe, do you notice that you're like happy and everything? And the second we walk in the house, like you're all rude to me and like grumpy and your whole demeanor changes. He's like, what is that about? I'm like, I don't know. It's true. Like I am, I do that. And so I just asked the Holy Spirit and I remember just pacing around my table. Like I usually like will pray around my fire pit or like pray, just walking around, you know, my dining room table. And I said, Holy Spirit, what is that? I do get grumpy when I'm in the house and I do get grumpy at John, you know, and God forbid he sits on the couch and the Holy Spirit brought me back to this place where I was 
a little girl, and I remember seeing my dad sit on the couch, as probably a seven-year-old girl, and I saw my mom in the kitchen, stressed out, making dinner. There was five kids in eight years. So my mother was like, we were all one year apart, four of us, and my sister came three years later. My dad had to work two jobs, 12, 13, 14-hour days a lot of times, so I rarely saw my dad. But the only time I, ta- this time I would see my dad is when he got home from those 14-hour days, and all he needed to do is get off his feet, put his feet up. But I never saw my dad outside of the fact that he was sitting on his couch with his feet up. And all I saw all day long was my mom stressed out, trying to keep up with five little kids, you know, all on her own. And I remember just like always watching my mom stress out and looking at my dad and looking at my mom and looking at my dad. In this vision, I literally heard myself say internally as a little girl, men are so lazy. So when I asked the Holy Spirit, why do I get grumpy with him? Why do I get so angry when he sits on the couch? The Holy Spirit brought me to that place why I came into agreement with that lie that all men were lazy. So here's the deal and how it then manifests in your life and how these ungodly beliefs destroy our relationships because at the, my core belief system, my truth was that all men were lazy. So it did not matter how much he helped me around the house, if he helped with bedtime, if he helped with dishes, if he took out the trash, if he swept and vacuumed, that man could do He could do no good because at the end of the day, no matter how much he did, he was still lazy. And so I remember just repenting of that. I like, I repent of that lie. I, I break the agreement with that lie. That is not the truth. God, you know, gave me a spouse and, and just started repeating the truth about what a blessing my husband was. And I just kind of left it at that, didn't mention anything to John. Then about three weeks later, he goes, babe, you're, uh, you're acting like really nice to me, like in the house. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh. He, you know, he said the last few weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you. I thought you were lazy. <laughs> I was like, God showed me that I had a belief system about you, so no matter how much you did, it didn't matter because you were going to be lazy at the end of the day. And that's why I was always mad at you. I was like, yeah. So I just repented and got set free from that ungodly belief. And now I've just been happy. He's like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> like, working for me. <laughs> you know? So now I watch football all the time. No, I still, no, that does bug me still. That does. That does bug me. I'm not fully set free. I maybe I need to do the I am free to 55525. <laughs> but do you see how these just even simple ungodly beliefs, things like that can affect our relationships? So what ungodly beliefs has you come into agreement with that is keeping you from healthy, thriving, loving relationships? Here's another one. I'm just going to throw some examples out there. People have an ungodly belief that sex is bad. Again, we're talking about relationships, so we're going to bring this up. Here's the, here's the deal. God created sex. God created it. He designed it to bring two people together, to become one flesh in the context of marriage so that our heart, soul, and our spirit will be bound to one another. But then the world has perverted it, and everyone just has casual sex with everybody, and then we become one and transfer demons to and from each other and all these things. So here's the deal. Sex is not bad. Sex outside of marriage is not good. For those reasons, like soul ties and things like that. But sex is not bad. God created it. But you'll be surprised if you grew up in a home where your parents didn't necessarily communicate all the reasons why you should save yourself. Till you're married, they just say, don't have sex. Sex is bad. And that's their, like, you know, conversation around, you know, the birds and the bees. And so then, like, sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. And so then you get married and you have a godly spouse and you go to have your honeymoon and you're starting off your marriage. And then you wonder why you feel guilty and disconnected and feel shy 
shame every time you come to come together. It's because at the end of the day, your belief system is sex is bad, which is an ungodly belief. You'd be surprised at how common this is in Christian couples where they grew up in homes where sex is bad, sex is bad, and then they don't have a healthy, thriving sex life in their marriage, and they feel guilty and dirty and shameful after they have sex. They need to get set free from that ungodly belief that Amen. sex is not bad. John, don't start again. He was on fire. He was on fire on Sunday. I, and I apologize for anyone that was unnecessarily offended. He was living his best life on Sunday. I just had to get it out. I would, I would encourage you, only listen. If you weren't here and you want to listen to it, just, like, get ready. You're going to see a side of John that doesn't normally come out, but it's, like, the real John. Oh, like I'm fake No, no you're not fake. You're not fake. But this, he's, like, he's like a powerful ministry. He's always like, power of God, setting people free, all this stuff. You don't ever see, like, the husband side of John. And so it was like, it was like a little bit, like, shocking for people, but people were very entertained. Good job. Good job, babe. It was really good. It was really good. So, um, again, I just want to throw a couple more examples out there. You know, but, like, we talk about all the time, and it's my testimony, so I, I, I shouldn't be, you know, hesitant to keep sharing it, but... But the, the trust issues, that came, so, so the ungodly belief that came that all men were lazy was something I was just programmed. No one told me that men were lazy. I just made this observation. So it's like I had internal programming. So then there's other things where you've been experienced traumas or pain, and then you develop an ungodly belief because of your experiences. And so that's when, you know, my, you know, my dad left our family when we were in eighth grade. You know, you hear the stories, like, and you feel rejected, you feel unloved, you feel unvalued, you feel unwanted. So then you become the girl that looking for love and all the wrong places, the textbook, you know, girl. And so then because you don't date your potential, you date your self-esteem. I started dating a lot of um, individuals that were drug users and abusive and all those kinds of things. And so every single relationship I had from the time I was 14 on was either abusive, sexually abusive, emotionally abusive, and physically abusive. And so, and then every single one of those people, I would tolerate all this bad behavior because I didn't think anything of myself or thought I was worthy of anything else. And then they would just repeatedly cheat on me with other people. Then I would stay because I didn't think I deserved anything more because of this value issue and this rejection issue. And so all of that, all I knew is that men will always leave you and they will always hurt you. And so that ungodly belief that all men, you can't trust any man, that I, I came into agreement with that lie and that lie then fueled the insecurities, the fear that led to control, led me to be a psycho that destroyed every relationship. Because then when you believe that, you start behaving it. So then I'm like, you know, uh, snooping around and trying to catch them in the act and doing all these things. So what happened? Every relationship I had after that ended because I was a control freak. So it's like my fear became my self-fulfilling prophecy with my ungodly belief until I met Pastor John, who was willing to see me as a product of my environment or my brokenness and my upbringing, wrapped me in grace and came alongside me, didn't fight against me, but fought with me to get my freedom over that spirit of fear and anxiety and control. But the enemy will do whatever he can to keep fueling that ungodly belief. And I remember there was a time in, in college I felt like I was getting breakthrough. I felt like I was getting freedom. Like, maybe not all men are bad. And I remember sitting watching this wedding of my friend getting married in college her senior year. And I listened to the pastor deliver this beautiful wedding message. And I thought to myself, he seems so great. And I said in my heart, I'm gonna, if I got married, I would want him to do my wedding. It was like the first time I let my guard and I actually was like, I could trust this pastor. 
And then a week later, I found out that he'd been having an affair with his secretary for eight years. And the devil was like, see, you can't trust anybody. You can't even trust a pastor. So the enemy will keep doing things to try to fuel that ungodly belief system so that it then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life and you end up getting the very thing you're fearful of. The enemy is such a dog. You know, and I, I want to say this, though. So my ungodly beliefs may have been true based on my experience, but completely false based on the word of God. So we can't dismiss our, what our experience was, but we can't make our experience God's truth and his word. No, God's word is his word and his truth is his truth. So let's not confuse the two. Another quick story that might help people where, you know, ungodly beliefs and things can actually turn into inner vows that we make. You know, and I've shared this story before, and I hope it's okay that I'm sharing it again. But sometimes we can go to such extent with our ungodly beliefs and our coming into agreement with the lie, we actually then curse ourselves. You know, and then we actually then are dealing with word curses. And curses don't just go away. Once we've been cursed, the enemy energizes that curse and makes those things come to fruition in your life. Those curses have to be cut off and canceled and removed from your life through the power of Jesus Christ. So here's an example. I was meeting with a beautiful couple from our church, and I remember her talking with me, and she was saying that um, she wanted some prayer because they were wanting to have a baby. They were married, and they hadn't yet conceived. And she just was casually talking to me, and she said, "Um, it's so funny because my husband and I always swore we would never have children. She's like, but now that we want children, we can't have them. I'm like, oh, let's backtrack for a second. So you swore, you came into agreement with your husband that you would never have children. You wouldn't actually the great, you know, be fruitful and multiply and feel that you actually came into agreement together as a couple with a lie. So guess what happened? That young lady started menopause in her early 30s. Her body completely shut down, and that's why she had said, now we can't have children. I'm like, wait a minute here. That is, that is not natural. That is not normal. That is demonic, and that is a stronghold. So we we had actually break the curse of that agreement, that word curse that they had spoken over their lives, cut it off, cancel it, and then declare the word of God that blesses the fruit of her womb, that she'll be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and all of these things. So you can see how when we make these agreements with lies, when we come into agreement with the lie, we give the devil legal permission, like Pastor John was talking about, to energize and fuel those lies and make them come to pass, and then they become our truth. And so that is why I want to talk about ungodly beliefs. They're, they're the, they always are all nevers. Watch, watch what you say. Here's the thing. I want to give a, a few examples just because what I don't want you to do is go, oh, those examples didn't relate to me. I don't want to give you too many examples where you don't find yourself in one of them, but I also don't want to give you too little where God can't like just speak to you because I think the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you something in this moment where you have made the they'll always or I'll nevers or, or um, had these spoken these word curses over your life. You know, a lot of times, you know, people will, will do that. You, you can never trust a man. You can never trust a woman. You know, and then because you can't trust, what's going to be the result? You start to fear. Fear leads to anxiety, insecurities, and then control. The, the belief that I'll never be good enough. Maybe you grew up in a home and no matter what you did, your parents never praised you or you didn't have parents to praise you. So no matter how good and how accomplished you were, you never heard that you were valued and loved and seen. So you go through life feeling unworthy of love. 
I'll never be good enough believing that lie. And if you believe that you're never going to be good enough, you actually won't present yourself in a way where someone would actually, if you're like, if you're moping around like, I'll never be good enough, and you're like carrying this shame and unworthiness and like timidity around, like what kind of person are you going to attract if you, if you are operating and allowing that lie to manifest in your behavior in a relationship? What about nobody will ever love me? I'm never going to get married. Stop saying that. I'm never going to get married. There's no good men out there. Well, guess what? Have you ran into any? No, because you keep declaring there's no good men out there. I'm just saying. I'm trying to help you. I love my friends. I love people. Like, so stop saying, I'm never going to get married. I am going to get married. God is going to give me the desires of my heart. God has a perfect person set aside just for me. I'm going to be a gorgeous bride. I'm going to be an amazing husband. Stop declaring those negative word curses over your life. Break agreement with those things. And if you think you're never going to be loved or never going to get married, guess what you carry? Rejection with you wherever you go. Because if you already have declared that you're never going to get married and nobody's going to love you, you carry rejection into that relationship and rejection is not very attractive we got to end oh yes what about women are stupid men never listen if you think women are stupid you're never going to look to them for wisdom and a helpmate like god god created them to be men never listen well if they never listen you're never going to tell them the truth and guess what you're going to find a co-worker that will listen to you no one is looking out for me. I'm going to take care of myself. You grew up in a home where your parents abdicated responsibility to love you and care for you as a parent. So you took care of yourself. And so if you are a take care of yourself kind of person, I'm going to do it on my own. Guess what? You have a hard time connecting in an intimate level in relationships because you actually don't need them because you're going to do it on your own. And you wonder why people always say, I don't know if I really know you. Who, you, who are you really? Like, and there's a depth you cannot break through because you actually don't need them to know you because you're going to do it on your own. You don't need anybody else. I'm never going to let anyone hurt me like that again. Think about that one. Deep wounding comes through deep vulnerability and deep love. So if you're never going to let anyone hurt you like that, guess what? You just walled up your heart. And you built up walls to never experience the true joy of true love. And you'll only experience it to a very shallow degree. And you'll look at other people's love lives and relationships and want that. But you just feel like you can never get there because you won't allow your heart to be open and vulnerable enough because what if they hurt you one day? Do you see how these things can affect your relationships every day? So I'm just gonna just take a moment and I'm, I do apologize. I didn't realize we were um, getting to the point of being over time. So we definitely wanna open up the altar calls and Pastor John's gonna pray a collective prayer over all of us as well. But in this moment, just in the next 30, 45 seconds, just as the team's playing, Holy Spirit, Reveal to them, Lord Jesus, an area, God, where they have come into agreement with the lie, an ungodly belief that has now been energized in their life and operating, limiting, affecting, preventing healthy relationships, healthy flow, healthy intimacy. God, what is that thing for them? Holy Spirit, do what you do. God, that today would be the day they'd be set free from that lie set free from the curse of that vow. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking, that you love each person, that you know exactly where they're at, you know exactly what they experienced, and you are here to minister to them, to reveal to them the life that you have for them outside of this lie.
Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Why don't we all stand to our feet? I'm just going to take us through a little bit of a, um, like steps to freedom. And um, there's just five, five steps that I want you guys to think about. And then I'm going to pray. And we're, we're going to have an interactive moment. Yeah. You're going to repeat after me and you're going to say some things out loud. The first one is to recognize and take responsibility for your behaviors and, and what you're potentially, uh, how you're living your life. If you don't own it, you're never going to have authority over it. If you keep abdicating it, it's not me blaming other people. You got to own it so you can have authority over it. Then, you, then you repent, repent of whatever it is that you've been doing that's that's ungodly. Then we're going to release forgiveness. If there's somebody that's hurt us in our life, um, you need we need to release forgiveness. Forgiveness will keep you bound. The Bible says that if you forgive people, they're forgiven. But if you retain it, it'll be retained. That's why people say, "I'm never going to be like my father." They never forgive them, so they become like their father because they retain it. So we're going to release forgiveness. Maybe somebody's done something to you. There could be a spirit of perversion in your life because of what somebody did to you. It's not your fault, but we need to forgive those people because you're poisoning yourself. Not because they deserve it, because you deserve it. We're going to renounce bondages and we're going to reach out to Jesus and we're going to get free. So I'm going to lead us in a, in a little bit of a prayer going kind of through those things, and then we're going to open up the altar. In fact, maybe our ministry team could, could come up even now. You guys stay in your seats. Ministry team, come up. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer, um, and we're going to get free. So the first one is repent. I want you to think about maybe some things, some um, ungodly beliefs or some ungodly behaviors that you've been doing. And I just want you to say, you don't have to say it out loud, you don't have to say it loud, but I would encourage you to say it. Just say, Lord, I confess that I have participated in whatever it is. I know that it was evil and offensive in your sight. Thank you for your forgiveness. Yeah, so just begin to say, Lord, I confess that I have participated in whatever it is. I know it was evil and offensive in your sight. And I thank you for your forgiveness. Now, if you need to forgive somebody, I want you to forgive somebody. You can say, Lord, I choose to forgive now. And you can begin to name those people. Whatever, whoever's coming to mind. Forgiveness is a choice. You have to choose to do it. Lord, I choose to forgive now. And just say, I forgive you for what you did or failed to do because it made me feel, and I want you to tell God how it made you feel. Lord, I choose not to hold my resentment. I thank you for setting me free from the bondage of my bitterness. I relinquish my right to seek revenge and ask you to heal my damaged emotions. I not now ask that you bless those who have hurt me in Jesus' name. Now we're going to renounce some things. So everyone, everyone do this. I renounce any and all involvement with, and I want you to just say to yourself what it is.
and I cancel out any and all ground that the enemy has gained in my life through this activity. Now I want you to repeat after me. Say, in the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus Christ, I command Satan and all evil spirits to release me so I can be free to know and to choose to do the will of God. As a child of God, I command every evil spirit to leave my presence. I belong to God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I cut off ungodly soul ties, and I break the power of those ties. I declare I am free from whatever entered me through sex outside of marriage or other ungodly soul ties to people or things. I come into alignment with the truth of the Word of God that says, I am forgiven, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I break contract with all ungodly beliefs, inner vows, and agreements in the name of Jesus. I cancel their effects and influence in my life. I declare I am free from those ungodly beliefs and I believe that the Bible says about me. Thank you, Jesus, for your protection and guidance over my life. I thank you that you are always with me and will never leave me. Thank you for filling me with your love and peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for your favor and blessing on my life. Today I am free and am a person you created me to be. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.